we are continuing our B series. Um, who's been here for the B series? Yeah, quite a few of you. We're looking at the book of James. And just while we are um, beginning, can I just ask us a question? Can you recall a time when someone did something to show you that they loved and cared for you? Hopefully, you can think of a time in your recent weeks where someone did something for you that just communicated that they loved you, communicated that they cared. I will share a little story. A couple of weeks ago, all the plug sockets went out in our house, John and Mai's house, in the, in the downstairs, I should say. Upstairs was fine. Downstairs, all the plug sockets went. And we tried to get an electrician out, and it was the weekend, and he did that thing where he was like, oh, you know, you know the lips like, like, oh, it's going to be a big job. So what, meant, what that meant practically for us as a family of four was that the fridge freezer was not working. The kettle was not working, the computer and the TV were not working, and the dishwasher was not working. Uh, And nor was the coffee machine, which is a very important um, piece of equipment in our house. And so we, um, we didn't miss the TV much, but we did have to quickly eat all the food that was in our fridge freezer because the freezer was swiftly defrosting, the fridge was quickly warming up. And one night, we just ate loads of fish from the freezer that had to be cooked. And it was quite disgusting. I never want to see a smoked mackerel for a little while um, after that. Then that Monday, without being asked, John's parents, who I call mum and dad L, L for Levinson, swooped in and saved the day for us. Um, John's dad looked at every plug socket in the downstairs of the house And finally, the last plug he checked was the one that was causing the problem and had caused the whole thing to blow. He fixed it. My mum-in-law fixed us lunch. We had a celebratory cup of coffee, which we hadn't been able to have before. And um, the whole thing just stuck out in my mind because it communicated something to me. It communicated love. John's parents loved and cared for us, and they showed their love and care through their actions that day. Because love looks like something, doesn't it? Love shows itself by its actions. It's not the only way it shows itself, but it's a pretty good indication. And that's what I believe that James is saying to us in this chapter this evening. He's saying faith looks like something. Faith looks like something. What does our faith look like today? What kind of things is it causing us to do? I mean, it has to be said, Rachel is doing amazing things at the moment, isn't she? Let's just give a shout out because she's like, you know, knows what's going on. She's like um, championing the night shelter, which is no mean feat alongside all her other work um, as children's pastor here. Um, You know, that's the kind of thing her faith is causing her to do. I don't think she woke up one morning and thought, yeah, I'll just do loads of stuff like her faith is prompting her to, and her love of Jesus is prompting her to do all these ministries. And the the main thing I want us to think about this evening is that faith works from the inside out. Faith works from the inside out. It's not about doing more. 
it's not about doing more. It's got to be motivated by something within. Otherwise, it's empty and lifeless. I don't think anyone here needs to hear tonight about doing more for God. I don't think that's the message that we need to hear. And some people do feel that James is promoting a kind of works-based message through his, his letter because he does say a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. That's verse 24. But that's, of course, the opposite of what we hear the Apostle Paul tell us through his letters, which is that we are made right with God by our faith alone and not by what we do. And I think both are right and they, they work together. And um, I don't think James is advocating just works-based message. I think he's just a really practical guy who's saying, well, your faith needs to look like something. You need to show it. You, you can't just sort of say, I believe in a God of love and not be loving. And if we're tempted to not listen to James tonight, which we might be, you know, you might have turned up here, but you might be tempted not to listen to what James has to say. Let's remember um, what John told us when we kicked off this series. John's my husband, so I always remember what he says, of course. I know. Um, and he, he did a bit of research and found that um, James, who wrote this book, was probably the brother of Jesus, as in the Jesus. He was, he was probably uh, his brother. And that also means that he was Mary's son. He was one of Mary's sons. Mary, who said in Luke 1, 46 to 49, My soul praises the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. So I bet James, Mary's son, Jesus' brother, was one of those guys who would give you the shirt off his back. He was very concerned about the poor, and I bet he would just give you his shirt if he thought that you needed it more than him. I think he would give you the last two pounds he had in his wallet. I just think that's the kind of guy he is. So let's listen to what he has to say to us this evening. Faith works from the inside out. And I'd love to break that down into three parts for us, just to make it digestible. So the first point is that faith works. The second is it's from the inside. And the third is that what's inside must come out. So the third point is that it comes out. So faith is always accompanied by right actions. The two go hand in hand. They cannot be separated. In other words, what we think has to show in what we do. And James paints this horrible picture of, you know, seeing someone clearly in need and just saying to them, I wish you well. I really hope that you'll be okay. Keep warm, won't you? And, and look after yourself. That's my paraphrase of verse 16. But if we do nothing to help that person in the, with their physical needs, it's quite empty, isn't it? It's quite empty to say, God bless you. You know, it's better than saying nothing, but it's pretty lifeless all the same. By contrast, James gives us two examples of faith being outworked in action. Two heroes of the faith. 
He tells us about Abraham, and he tells us about Rahab, a man and a woman. Funnily enough, Abraham and Rahab are also listed in Hebrews 11, you know, that great, you know, chapter on the heroes of the faith. And um, here they are again in James. So James says that Abraham's faith and his actions were working together, verse 22, when he was prepared to sacrifice Isaac. So that's Abraham there, the one on your yes left. I always get my left and right muddled up. That's Abraham, and he's pictured there with the stars because, of course, God said to him, I will make your family as numerous as the stars in the sky. So God promised that. Next thing he says, oh, and sacrifice your one and only son, the son of promise who I gave to you. And Abraham obeyed God and was prepared to do that. But logically, if he sacrifices his only son, how is God going to make him into a great nation? How is he going to multiply his family? It didn't make sense. But God wanted to see if Abraham really trusted him. So that is Abraham. The other example James gives us is Rahab, and that's Rahab on the other side. That's her there sitting at her window looking pretty cool with her scarlet um, rope hanging down there. Um, Rahab is a prostitute living in Jericho. That's who Rahab was. And we read about her in Joshua chapter 2. Joshua, Israel's leader, asked some spies to go down to Jericho and spy out the land that they believed God was going to give them. And the two spies stayed at the home of Rahab, a prostitute whose house was on the city wall. And she kept them safe and she covered for them when the king of Jericho started to come and find them. They'd heard there were some spies and they wanted to take their lives. She covered for them. She says, no, they went that way. And um, so then the king of Jericho goes that way and she smuggles the spies out through her window, which happens to be in the city wall. Um, And she hangs the scarlet rope to show that she will keep her side of the bargain and that they will keep their side of the bargain because they say, when we return and take your land, we will protect you and your family. And that's exactly what happens. And Rahab, this loose woman, is now listed alongside Father Abraham as heroes of the faith because she did something costly. She believed that God was going to give the land to those Israelites. And so she cooperated with them, even though it could have cost her her life. Like my in-laws, and like James, the writer of the book himself, she showed her belief through merciful actions. She is one of the greats. I don't know about you, but I hear that, and I think there's hope for us all. You know, we can join in this throng of people who put their money where their mouth is. These people who let their faith show in their actions. These people whose faith really worked for them. And both Abraham and Rahab, like many others, received what they were promised. Abraham did become a great nation, as numerous as the stars in the sky. And Rahab's life was spared, and all her family too. And the Bible tells us her family live amongst the Israelites to this day. We hear that in Joshua 6, verse 25. Faith works and has its own reward.
So that's the first thing. Faith works. It does work. It works for us. The second thing is that it's from the inside. It's from the inside. The good deeds that James invites us to and that that Jesus invites us to start with the heart. They start with the heart. Renewal has to come from within. Hebrews 11.1 tells us that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And James reminds us of the law of love. It's a law, but it's a law of love. He says, remember the poor, don't show favoritism. These are some of the topics that he covers in this passage. But James reminds us it's a royal law of love. If you check that in verse 8, he says it's a royal law found in Scripture and labored by Jesus himself. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right, he says. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers, verse 9. So what is this warning us against? It's warning us against social snobbery. It's warning us against social snobbery. Be willing to associate with people of low position, with people who cannot give or do anything for us. But it starts from the inside. We can't act with love towards others if we don't first embrace God's love for us. We need to be filled with the love of God, which gives us security, which we can then reach out to others from our place of security. If I'm feeling unsure of myself and not sure of my self-worth and whether or not I'm loved, I'm not going to be very nice to the person at the, at the school gate who no one really likes or talks to. Like, I'm not going to reach out to them from a place of love if I don't have it welling up from within myself. I think if Jesus' love is pumping through our veins then we can't help but do kind things for others. It just spills out. And if it's not spilling out, my suggestion is that we just take a look at our relationship with God. No judgment. Just take some time out in prayer. Have an evening, just you and God, and just talk to God about that and say, God, why do I not really want to give anything that I own? Like, why am I holding on to my things so tightly? Or why did I have that reaction to that person? Why, why wasn't I more loving? And just be really honest with yourself and with God and just have some prayer and examine our hearts. Examine why our hearts might have grown cold. And there's all kinds of reasons and traumas and things that happen to us that causes us to retreat. And Jesus himself spent hours in prayer before going out and and healing people, spreading the love of God. So if we need to retreat and take some time out and in prayer, then that is a good thing to do. Maybe we need to replenish our own love tank before we can give out to others. So that's from the inside. And then the the final thing is that it's from the inside out. So let's think about what does it mean for it to come out of us? What's coming out of us? The spirit's breaking out. It's coming out. And um, 
James goes so far as to say that faith without actions is dead. Just as the body devoid of spirit is lifeless and dead, faith without deeds is dead, he says in verse 26. He says no matter what we believe, if it doesn't show itself in, for example, merciful actions to the poor, how can the law of love be at work in us? So elsewhere in the Bible... Uh, Philippians 2.12, it says, work out your salvation. I hear that, work out your salvation, and I immediately think of the gym. You know, you've got to work out your salvation, like put some muscle into it. Work it out with fear and trembling. I do quite a bit of trembling at the gym as well. <laughs> you've got to exercise it. But here's the exciting thing. The next verse, Philippians 2.13, says this. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. That's so amazing that I'm going to read it again from the start. Philippians 2.12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It is God who works in in you. This series B, I think, is a perfect follow-on from that series on bones that we did last month. Remember, we looked at Ezekiel, those of us who were here, and we we looked at the the vision that God showed Ezekiel of the, the valley of the dry bones and the bones coming together and um, the bones taking on flesh, and then the, then the whole body is rising up and becoming a vast army, is what the Bible says. And now here James is saying, you're not dead. Come alive. Come alive. Let your resurrection faith in our risen Lord Jesus rise up within you to produce good works. Come alive. We've often heard it said, actions speak louder than words. But Jesus himself spoke some wonderful, powerful words. But he also did some wonderful, powerful deeds. He showed favor to the poor. He healed the sick. He died on a cross and rose again from the dead. Jesus, after all, was the living word. And his same spirit lives in us. That is so exciting. We've looked at how faith works from the inside out. What do we do with all of this? How can we apply this to our lives today? I've got three ideas. You might have others. Do share and talk um, afterwards. There's plenty of time and share what your response might be to this. Um, I've got three ideas I'll share with you and then we'll finish. The first idea, based on what we've heard, is reach out to the poor and the vulnerable. Reach out to those who are more vulnerable and poor than us. I was thinking about this, remembering sometimes when I might have done things with people who um, were vulnerable, whether that's because of mental illness or um, whether they were ex-offenders or various people groups that I've had the privilege of 
doing stuff with and working with. And um, it's just amazing. Those of you who've done um, stuff with, with poor or vulnerable people before, it has its own reward. Um, those of you who have volunteered at the night shelter can testify to just how rewarding it is. It's very hard to put your finger on why it's so great, but there's something very life-giving about it. And I know the times when I felt most alive have been when I've been working with people who um, just had so, much, so many problems, but you kind of looked at them and thought, you're still here. You're still laughing. You're still loving. Not only that, but you know more about life than I do because you're protecting each other in a way that I've never seen before. This is a bunch of women ex-offenders that I did some drama workshops with. They were amazing. They had such a sense of humor. And I just thought, they know more about life than I do. And maybe that's why James says in this hard-hitting chapter, he says, God has chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith. Maybe that's kind of what he's getting onto, that they have a richness that I don't know about. So let's reach out. That's the first thing we can do, reach out to those who are um, poorer or more vulnerable than ourselves. And a really good way to do that is night shelter. Um, Rachel didn't ask for that, for us to plug that, but I think that's a really good way we can put our faith in action. Um, and I'm, I want to encourage us to do that, not just because it's a good way to put our faith into action, but because we benefit from it. You will receive a reward. If you don't, then let me know, because I haven't heard anyone who has done the night shelter who hasn't said it's rewarding. It really does have its own reward. So that's the first idea, reach out. The second idea is to take some steps of faith. Maybe you've heard this message and you think God might be calling you to take some steps of faith in a particular direction. Maybe like Abraham, God is calling you to sacrifice something, to lay something down for him. It might be a job, it might be a relationship, it might be a material possession. And you know what? You might lay it down and then he might give you it back again. Or you might lay it down and he might give you something better. But he wants to know that we love him and trust him completely. Someone said to me once, don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. And I must say, that was good advice. So if you're feeling that this evening, thinking, yeah, I think God is asking me to do that. And we're not advocating, you know, completely reckless choices. You've got to um, pray and, and weigh everything up. But if he's calling you to, to do something like that, to give up something precious, be encouraged. You're in great company. You're in company with Father Abraham himself and with many of us here who have also had to make sacrifices along the way. So go for it. What's the next right step for you? It might look different. It might be unique to you. But please get someone to pray with you um, tonight. Get someone to pray with you and stand with you so that you can make that step that he's calling you to do. So that's the second idea. Take a step of faith. 
And the third and final idea of something we can do to apply this to our lives is some risk-taking. Risk-taking. Maybe, like Rahab, you feel that God is calling you to take some risks to protect the vulnerable. Maybe it will be a risk to our reputation. Maybe we won't be considered cool at the club or our workplace or at college. But Jesus inside of you is calling you to help those who need help, to not ignore that person. And I know that it's really tough. Um, It's really tough. But let's remember that we are not citizens of this earth. We are citizens of heaven. And like Jesus, our reward is also in heaven. I'm going to finish just by reading Colossians 3, verse 4. This is a promise for us. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then we will also appear with him in glory. Amen.